Awkward pause. That's meant for the people that aren't here. So, um, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, no. If we've learned one thing this year, it's that God wants to do something tremendous in our lives, isn't it? God wants to use you to do something amazing for him. And it's something only you can do. And I don't know about you, but I'm shocked that God would use any of us. I'm just thinking about this week and how frail we are, how frail I am, and that God would use us. Pastor Merrill preached last week, I listened online, that he talked about the disciples and what an unlikely group of characters, and yet he says, I want to use you for my story. I want to use you for my glory, and, and, and that's what our lives are all about, to be lived for his glory. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, which has been our, our verse since the beginning, each of us is given something to do that shows who God is. Each of us is given something to do. Not a few, not just pastors or missionaries. We are all given something to do that shows who God is, and no one else can do what you can do. And you say, well, yeah, but if I don't do it, somebody else will do it. Like today, when people couldn't get out in the snow, they would call the church office and say, I can't make it to the nursery. Can you get somebody else? And yeah, we'll fill in and things like that. But listen to me, there are things that only you can do for God's glory. I want you to think about that this morning. I want you to digest that. There's some things that only you can do. No one can serve God for you. No one can worship for you. It's all about what you do for God. And, and I want to get that in your heart and mind. There's no one. I can't say, well, I'm really hungry. Will you eat something for me? I'm supposed to love my family. Would you love my family for me? No, there's some things I can only do for myself. And God says, I've got something that I want you to do that will reflect my glory. You are a priesthood of believers. You are the priests that reflect the glory of God, that point people to Jesus. And, and, and so I want to use you for my glory. And I'm the author of your life, and we've been talking about that. And it's unbelievable to me that God would use us. That God would use frail human beings. It blows me away that He would say, I want to use you. Because I'm realizing just how frail life is. Especially this week. When, when it's 20 inches of snow shut down a major city. Do you think 20 inches of snow mean anything to God? No. But it shuts our lives down. We get sick. Our family's been sick. Horribly sick. This week. And little Mark's got viral pneumonia. Please pray for him. We want to see healing in his body. And... Um, just how frail life is. And if we don't eat right and we don't exercise and we don't do these things, all of a sudden things happen in our, our bodies and we start breaking down and, and how frail we are. And yet God says, I want to use you. See, if I was God, I would just do everything myself. But God says, no, I want, some, I want, you, I want you to do something to show who I am to this world. I have something that only you can do. And so God says, I'm choosing you to be a character in my story. And you're going to live for my glory. And it's not just the physical frailty that we have, but it's the, the spiritual frailty too. You know, if you look on that sheet of paper you got, look at what we were. And these are all things in the Bible. The Bible says that we were broken, that we were sinners. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It says that we were, were mixed up. We were selfish. We worshiped our own way. We did whatever we wanted to do. 
We were a mess. We were dead. And God says, I'm going to use you. I'm going to take you and I'm going to use you and I'm going to change you. I'm going to do something in your life. And you say, how, God? I'm, I'm, a, I'm still broken. I'm still a sinner. I don't, God, I, I don't know how you can use me, but when I look through the Bible, and this is what I love, as I look through the Bible, every character is either just somebody that's just super ordinary or somebody that was really bad or somebody that was super troubled. And, and, and yet God says, I want to use you as a character in my story. I want to use you for my glory. And I, I'm blown away that God would say, I want to use you no matter how frail, no matter how weak. I have a job for you to do. I, have a play, I just have a part in the play for you. You have, a, you have a place in my story to live for my glory. And I think of Paul. That's the first guy I think of because, you know, you talk about a troubled, sad, bad individual. He's killing Christians thinking he's doing God a favor. He thinks he's serving the Lord and doing God's will by, by murdering Christians. That's a troubled person. And yet God says, I'm going to take him and I'm going to change him into the greatest missionary that ever lived. See, what God says is, I don't care what you've done. I don't care who you are. i got a place for you in my story. And that's why, even when Paul says, you know, I'm the chief of sinners. I don't know why God chose me. I don't get it. I don't get it. But yet, he knew that God had changed him. He had taken him from what he was into what he was to be. And what a beautiful picture that is for all of our lives. And I want to look at what Paul wrote at the end of his life in Titus. And I want to look at this and I want to digest this and get inside of us before we go to communion this morning. That God wants to take us and use us as characters in his story. No matter how broken, how sinful, what a mess we're in. He says, I want to use you in my story. Titus chapter 3. Verse 3 says, At one time you were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. He says, this is what we were. We were all of these things that were far from God, separated, sinful, broken people. But then look at the next verse. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done. You don't just clean yourself up and then you're okay. No. It's because of His grace. His mercy, it says. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. Look at this verse. This is a trustworthy saying. And I want you to stress these things so that those who have been trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. Look at that verse. You are not saved and good because you're doing the right thing and you're working really hard. No, it's the mercy, the grace, and the love of God. And He sets you and He makes you new. So what do we do? We devote ourselves to doing what is good. It talks about doing good things or doing right things six times in that small epistle of Titus. And he's saying, look, you've been saved for a purpose. And I want you to, to devote yourself to doing what is good because these things are excellent and profitable for everyone. So how do we do that? How do we get from point A, a broken, sinner, messed up person to somebody that is doing what God's called them to do? How do we get to that point? Look at Galatians chapter 20, or 2, verse 20, which is earlier in Paul's life. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. 
And, I, I, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He said, I've been crucified with Christ. Now, I didn't have to go to the cross. I will never have to go to the cross because Jesus went to the cross for me. And he took care of taking me from my old self to my new self. And he did all the work. And so I've been crucified with Christ. He says in Romans, a little bit later in his life, Romans 6, verse 6 says, We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the, that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died in Christ, we believe that we also live with Him. Now, when we die, we're set free from sin. That's an exciting thing, that when we get to heaven, it's going to be us with a pure and holy God, and all the things that we've done, it's going to be washed clean because of what Jesus did on the cross. Not that we're innocent, because we're not innocent, but Jesus says, you're not guilty of your sin, because I paid the penalty for your sin. And then Paul says, so what I do is since Jesus went to the cross, I crucify the old me. I crucify the old me so that I can live in the newness of life. And this is what's so important. This is, we're going to talk today, but, but if, you, if you're going to tune into a portion of this message, just the next couple minutes is the most important part. Because we crucify our old self on the cross because Jesus died in my place. And when He died, He came in and He rose again and He gives me new life in Him. He changes me and I'm made alive by His power. And Paul says, the old is now dead, but the new part of me is alive. What is Paul saying? Because I don't know about you, I still struggle with this messed up part of my life. Anybody else? I don't know. Don't raise your hand. You don't want to. But Paul said, you know, I, I want to do these good things, but... I don't. Want to know why? Because we haven't died yet. There's still this duel going on in our life. There's still this, this, this problem that we have with the flesh. But here's what Paul's saying. I'm crucifying this part of my life. I am stepping out of this part of my life into the part of life that God has called me. The old has been crucified. And so now I'm made new, I'm made alive. We're all created in God's image, but now... I can have a personal relationship with God. Now I can be close to Him for that relationship I was created for. I can be in tune with God and His power in my life. And so what Paul is saying, this is what's so important, is he's saying that in our life in Christ, we have a new boss in our life. We have a new Lord, a new Master. And, and we are to live by the Spirit. We are to live in a certain way. Not according to the flesh, not according to the old man, but now according to the new man. He's the one in charge. I don't belong over there anymore. It's been crucified on the cross. And now I belong over here. And here's the thing. We all have choices in life. Everything we do is a choice. And when we begin to live our lives in that way, that my life is a series of choices that I make. And we begin to think in that way. I just always tell the kids, life's a choice. You can choose to do what's right. You can choose to do what's wrong. But here's the thing when it comes to us as adults. As we say, everything's a choice. And so I'm going to live according to the new life. Because that's to be the master of my life. That's to be my boss. That's what Christ saved me for. This is, I mean, I can live over there if I want to, but I don't want to live there. I'm going to make a choice to live in the Spirit. 
I'm going to make a choice to live in the new. I'm not going to choose to do what the flesh wants to do. I'm going to choose to do it. And I'm not just going to go with my immediate reaction. I'm not going to just go with what I've always done. I'm going to make a choice that I'm going to live according to the Spirit. And it's not that I'm getting better and better, so I'm on this side. No, I'm on this side because Jesus died on the cross, okay? I'm on this side because God did the work for me. And I don't belong over there anymore. I belong here. And I have to say, God, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to live according to your word. Not do what do I want, but God, what do you want? And what that is, and this is the crux of the Christian life, is the Christian life is all about surrender. It's about surrender. It's about surrendering to God. And surrendering our will to Him. Saying, God, I want to do it your way. I don't want to do it my way. I don't want to live according to I'm going to, I'm going to bring my will in line with your will. That's what Jesus did. Jesus is the perfect example of this. When he walked the earth, Jesus says, I never said anything. I never did anything that the Father didn't tell me to say or do. I only did what the Father told me to do. And so what Jesus did in his times alone with God, you know what he did? Is here's the Father's will. He just brought his will in line with the Father's will. Everything he said, everything he did. The, the Garden of Gethsemane was crying out, God, Take this cup from me. Is there any other way? And, and what, do you, what does he end with? Not my will, but yours be done. What is Jesus doing? Sometimes we get kind of tripped up by that passage of Scripture, but you know what Jesus is doing? He's doing what he's done his whole life. He's bringing his will in line with the Father's will. I really don't want to do this. It's going to be really hard. But not my will, yours be done. And so Jesus is bringing his will in line with the Father's will. And that's what we do as believers. We surrender to God. We say, God, I want to do it your way. I want to, I want to be in tune with you. I want to walk as a new creation. And I don't know about you, but I want to live on this side. I want to live a spirit-controlled life, not a flesh-controlled life. I don't belong over there anymore. If I go over there, I'm just, I'm just re-crucifying Christ. I want, I want to be over here. And why do I want to be over here? Take out your sheet of paper real quick, and I want you to look at these with me. Look at what we have in Christ. That When we are in Christ, when we're living His way, what do we have? We're forgiven. We're reconciled with God. You can look up these verses. We don't have time today, but look up these verses and go through them. I'm forgiven. I'm reconciled with God. I'm rescued. I'm redeemed. I'm bought with a price and belong to God. I'm known by God. I'm chosen by God. I'm justified before God. I'm accepted, saved, alive, free, secure, sealed. A new creature. I am born of God. I'm adopted by God. I'm a child of the promise. I am Jesus' friend. I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing. I'm God's workmanship, a temple of the Holy Spirit, a member of Christ's body. I'm made pure. I'm loved. I'm taken care of. And I am victorious. That's what I want to be. Take these. Put these on your... I once was all these things, but now I'm these things. And I want to live on this side because Jesus paid the price that I can live on this side. That I make the choice not to just do what I want to do, but say, Father, I want to live Your way. Spirit, tell me what to do. It's not, how does this impact me as we've talked about in, in the first week of Activate, but God, what is your will? What is your way? I, just, I don't want to keep doing the same thing over and over again. God, I want to live your way. And Paul does that. And something amazing happens. He goes from the most troubled person to somebody great that God can use. Why? Because he was yielded to God. He surrendered to God. He was the greatest missionary. Why? Because he yielded his life to God. And he said, I'm not going to do my own thing anymore. In fact, I, I count that as garbage. I'm going to do what the Spirit has called me to do. I want to look at uh, Romans quickly. 
so that we can learn and put some, some things inside of our lives here. Romans chapter 1, beginning of verse 11. Paul's talking to the Romans saying, I want to come and see you. I want to be with you and spend time with you. He says, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may mutually, incur- be, incur- may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I plan to many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might, uh, ha- might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among other Gentiles. Now look at some of these I am statements that Paul uses here. He says, I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and to the foolish. That, that, excuse me, that is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then, to the, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Paul is saying some things in the, the Scripture that I want us to put inside of our hearts today. These are things I'd like you to write down. What is Paul saying? He says, I want to come and I want to work with you. He, he, this, this, this guy that's gone from this evil person to this spirit-led missionary, and he, and he says these things. The first thing he says is, I am obligated. Maybe your translation says, I am a debtor. And, and this term in the Greek is a Greek term. Uh, it's a slave term. This idea of being obligated. This, this idea of, of, of being in, in, entrenched or in a covenant or in, in a duty that I will perform for someone else. That I am obligated. I am no longer the old person now. I am obligated. I, I, and, and it's not that he's been drafted by God and he has to do it. No, it's a, he says he's a willing bondservant of Jesus Christ. He does this on his own. But he says, I am obligated. I have this duty I know what I was, and I know what I am now, and I know that power can change your life too, and so I am obligated. I have a duty, not just to live on this side, but to preach this side to everyone I know. And he says, and just it's a powerful picture. We begin to realize that Paul says, I don't have any other way. I'm so loved by God, so changed by God. I have to do this. A lot of times Christians do this as they get saved, and then they get entitled. God, I want all your blessings. I'm walking with you now. God, I, I, I want a comfortable life. Why do I have to go through this? I, I, thought, I thought when I got saved, everything was going to work out just fine. God, why do I have to do it? I, I want to tell you, as, as a dad, I love my kids. I'd do anything for my kids. I, I'd give them every gift that I can. I, 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 I don't want to withhold any good thing from my kids. But tell me if this is not true, parents. As soon as that teenager starts to act entitled... You owe me this, Dad. You owe me that. You know? Once, and there's something about being entitled that just grates against us when people act entitled. And Paul doesn't do that. He says, I'm obligated. Christ loved me so much. I once was lost, and now I'm found. I am obligated. There is a duty. I, there, you know, not bless me, bless me, bless me, God, because you know what Paul went through? Wow. Okay? And um, he says, I'm obligated. This is, it, God loved me so much, he changed my life, I am now obligated. And who's he obligated to? He makes some very interesting statements here. I mean, he's obligated to Greeks and non-Greeks, maybe barbarian in your translation. 
uh, to the Jews. What he's saying, he's basically saying in his Roman world that he lived in, I'm obligated to everyone. Everyone. There's not just a certain group of people I go to, even though he's the apostle to the Gentiles, but he says, I'm obligated to everyone. That means I'm obligated to Packers fans. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But I, I love this. I just had to do it sometime today. I just had to do it. Amen. I'm, 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 I'm still bitter. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just kidding. But, but you know, it's this idea that, that, that Paul says, I'm obligated to everyone. There's not a certain group of people or a certain class of people. I'm obligated to everyone. Christ has done so much for me that I am obligated to, to share him with this world. I have a responsibility, Paul says. I have a duty in the story of God to live out my character, to live out my life for His glory, not for my glory. Because everything I've done for myself, I counted as garbage. I will now live for His glory. I will be a character in God's story. I am obligated. I love that. I love that. That changes how we live life, doesn't it? With everyone we meet and everything we do, we realize, God, You loved me so much. You took me from this way to that way, and so i gotta, I got to share that with everyone. I've got to share your love. And, and it's not about, well, I'm going to do really good things so I get to this side. No, you're already on this side. Live like it. Live like it. All right, going back. What's the next thing he says? He says, I'm ready. Maybe your translation says eager. I am ready. I'm eager. I, I, I want to do this. Paul is driven. I want to come and be with you. There's this urgency in Paul's tone. It's not just I want to come and do a ministry. I want to come and preach a sermon, Romans. I want to come to you and do No. I'm on a rescue mission from God. And a lot of times we say, we hear sermons and, and we're like, well, I know I have something to do for God, so I'll just find something to do for God. I'll, I'll look for this or that. Or, and it's just, but there's not a sense of mission. And Paul has that. There's a sense of mission. It's, it's like, I've got to do this. I'm eager to do this. I'm appointed to do this. I, there, and, and when we get this idea, I'm on a mission from God when I go home to my family. I'm on a mission of God when I step into my office. I'm on a mission of God when I go to my school. When I get that type of attitude, things change. Because I'm obligated and I am eager to do what God has called me. The last thing he says is I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of this gospel. This gospel took me from a messed up, broken, sinful person into somebody that didn't deserve anything that he gets. As Paul says, I was the worst of the worst, so I don't know why God called me, but he did, and I'm not ashamed of that power that changed my life. I'm not going to shut up about that power that changed my life. I'm not going to hide the love of God that changed my life, the mercy and the grace that changed me from the old to the new. And I'm not ashamed of that. And so often we walk around ashamed of God for some reason. But you're not good because you're good. You are new and different because of God's love and mercy and grace. And that same power, it's not just for you, it's for everybody. Don't be ashamed of the power of God. Speak about what God did in your life. That's the greatest testimony. To show the love of God to someone else. To just, just to show that love to someone and, and that, that maybe doesn't even deserve it. Just, just show that love. And, and, and there'll be times where you tell your story that I once was lost. I once was messed up. But now I'm new. I'm different. All right, we've got to get this inside of our heart and our life because God says, I want to change your life. I want you to play a role in my story. And I, I, like I said, I'm like, God, really? Me? Us? We are so weak. We are so frail. We are so broken as people. No, God says, I want to use you because it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 8, each of us is given something to do 
that shows who God is. And I can't play your part, and you can't play my part. We've got to live for the glory of God. It is not too late for you. You are not too far from God. He is the author of the story, and He will take anyone that is broken, and He will make them whole. And we've got to get that into our hearts and lives, that God's power needs to be at work in our lives. And, and I want to just deal with this as, as we kind of bring this in for a landing this morning. Is that a lot of times we've been saved, maybe 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And so we say, man, I once, you know, I could tell you stories of, of these old days, and I'm a different person today. But yet there hasn't been a lot of work either done for God in that obligation due to God or or there hasn't been much change since that first change. I know I talk to people, you know, I was really serving God in the 70s or the 80s or the 90s. You should have saw me back then. God says, if you're breathing, I've got something for you to do. Because if there was nothing left for you to do, you wouldn't be here anymore. So if you're alive, there's something for you to do. I think of, of 1 Timothy 4.8 where it says, For bodily exercise profits little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having a promise of the life that is now and of that which is to come. So he talks about that bodily exercise profiteth little. Now, um, I volunteered at my kid's school to be a gym dad. Okay? For the kindergartners. All right. Yay. Fun. I've since given up that post. And now I'm computer dad for the first graders. But uh, that's about as much as I know. First grade computers, and then we're good. But, uh, but you know, we started, and, and I got the sheet of what we're to do in class for an hour with the kids. And it starts with, you know, you know, the little arm circles, and then the touching of the toes, and the jumping jacks, and the push-up, and all with the kids and stuff. And so um, I had the sheet of paper, knew what I was going to do. So I go in, and like, okay, kids, let's do it. And I'm doing it all with them. And it's about five minutes into it, I am so winded. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, my, you know. Uh, And um, because it's been 20, 25 years since I've been in a gym class where, and, you know, like, and kindergartners, hey, let's do this, you know, more. And, you know, and they're running around crazy and all that and and stuff. And, And so... Think of it this way, that, that, that bodily exercise profits, profits you little. But let's say it, it profits you for a short amount of time. Because when you're doing gym class every day, yeah, you can, you can do the jumping jacks, you can do the push-ups, you can do all those things. But when you haven't done it for 10, 20 years, it doesn't profit you anymore. And the same is true when it comes to what Paul saw here about godliness, holiness, living for him, the things that profit now and for eternity. It profits for a little bit of time. And you've got to be careful to don't say, well, boy, I was really living for God way back in the day. What are you doing for God right now? Man, there was a big conversions experience. Boy, I would, boy you should have, should have saw me before I came to Christ. I'm an entirely different person. That's great. But are you a different person now than you were a year ago? See, the question is, is God still at work in your life? Because if He isn't, and I don't want to scare anybody this morning, but I read this passage of Scripture this week, and it's a, it's a passage I've read before. It scares me to death. And I, I need to share it with you today. And it comes from the life of Samson. It comes from Judges 16.20, where it says this. 
but he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. He, 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 he was used mightily by God, but as his life went on, he, did, he just went farther and farther away from God and farther and deeper into sin. And then eventually he went to, to, to do what he'd always done before and all of a sudden he couldn't do it anymore because the Spirit of the Lord had departed from him. And um, sometimes we get so worked up in life and, yeah, and, and, and we just make our decision, we go through life, and then when we really need God, it's like, where, where's the power I once had? Where is it at? See, God wants us walking with Him right now. And again, you're not on this side because you're doing good things. I, I, I don't know if I can make that anymore. You're on this side because what Jesus did on the cross, but you've got to surrender your will to live on this side. You've got to surrender your will. You've got to surrender what you want to do. You've got to say, Spirit, I want to do it your way. And when you are doing that, that's profitable. For this life and the life to come, it says, And I say it again, if you've got breath this morning, God has something for you to do. You are here for a reason and for a purpose, to live for His story and for His glory. And He's the author if you allow Him to be that in your life. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me this morning? Because what I want us to do is to get working at this in our life. I want us to, to, to realize who we are in Christ. And today I'm going to invite um, the worship team to come up and, and they're just going to lead us in worship. But, but with your head bowed and your eyes closed today, in just a moment, you are going to hold the elements in your hand. You're going to hold the bread and the cup. What I'd love for you to do as we, the worship is playing is I would like you to pull out that sheet of paper and look at the things that are on here. I once was, now in Christ I am. And I want you to focus on the things that you are in Christ as you hold that cup and that bread because the only reason you are those things in this life is because of what He did on the cross. And I want you to, because I don't know about you, when I look at this list, I want to live on the new side. I don't want to live on the old side. I want to be alive in Christ. God, today we just uh, remember you. And we remember that we are frail and we are broken and we are messed up. And God, we may not understand why you use us. Paul didn't understand. But yet you do use us. And you invite us into a new life with you because of what you did on the cross. And so today we surrender. We honor you, Lord. We love you, God. And Lord, in just a moment as we hold those elements in our hand, as we worship you with our voices, as we look at these things that we are in you on this piece of paper, May we surrender to you once again. And God, if we are far from you today, Lord, thank you that you draw us near with your love. And God, we don't go to one side because we're good, because we've done great things, but we get to go there because of your grace and your mercy and your love.
And so, Lord, if we're far from you today, we walk to the new side. And, Lord, we live in what you did on the cross. And, Lord, when we feel weak, God, may we be strong in you. And may we choose to surrender and live according to the Spirit and the new life in you. So God, just remind us of all those things today as we remember you and give thanks for your work on the cross. We worship you this morning. I'm going to ask the men and women that are going to help us serve the communion just to, to come forward at this time. and, and uh, Let's worship the Lord for just a moment.
you, God. Just in the quiet moment as you hold the bread and the cup, allow me to read who we are in Christ. The Bible says that because of the cross, we are forgiven. We are reconciled with God. We have been rescued, redeemed. We've been bought with a price, and we belong to God. We are known by God. We've been chosen by God. We've been justified before God, accepted, saved, alive, free, secure, healed. We are a new creature, born of God, adopted by God, a child of promise, Jesus' friend, a citizen of heaven, blessed with every spiritual blessing. We are God's workmanship. We are a temple of the Holy Spirit. We are a member of Christ's body. We have been made pure. We are loved. We are taken care of. And we are victorious. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We remember you and the cross this morning and the new life that we have in you. The old has passed and the new has come. God, we love you this morning. We honor you. We worship you. And we remember you. Thank you, God. The Bible says that on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Remembering Jesus this morning, let's partake together. Thank you, God. In the same way, after supper, he took a cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Remembering Jesus this morning, let's partake together. Thank you, God. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Would you stand and worship the Lord this morning? Let's honor him and thank him for the cross. So let your name be lifted higher, be lifted higher, be lifted higher. So let your name be lifted higher, be lifted higher, be lifted higher. So let your name be lifted higher, be lifted higher.
broken, you have saved me. And it is written, Christ is risen, Jesus you, yes you are is broken, you do not have to live in bondage to the old self anymore. You've been set free. And we are going to mess up. We are going to make mistakes. But what we do is when we find ourselves here, say, I don't belong here. I don't belong here. I belong to the one who bought me with a price. I belong to the one who died on the cross for me. I belong to the one that makes me alive and free. That's what I belong to. I don't belong to you old self anymore. I belong to live in the Spirit of God. And so that's what we do. That's what we do. And we are obligated, we are eager, and we are not ashamed of the power of God. All right. God is good, isn't He? It's been good to be in the presence of the Lord this morning. I just love it. Oh, man. Can't, uh, can't get enough of it, but I need you to be seated for just a moment because there's something we do every Communion Sunday. And this is an acting out of um, loving other people. And on the first Sunday of every month, Communion Sunday, we receive an offering for the poor, for those that are in need. And as you can imagine, with the economy the way it is, that the need is great. And so I'm um, just going to ask you to give this morning. If you are one of those in need, I don't want you to feel any obligation to give. This is above and beyond giving. This is for those that God has blessed and you have some money this month and you say, I want to give this. The entire offering goes to those in need. We've been helping churches in need with the abundance that God has given us as a church. We've been helping uh, Garth Heckman out and some other people out and other churches that, that just can't make it. And so I want to tell you that when we help, and, and this specifically goes to people in need, uh, people that come to the church that are in need. And um, so uh, we want to give to those uh, that need that. So um, again, don't feel obligated to give, but if you can give, uh, please do that this morning. We invite the men and women come forward. God, we pray once again for this offering, for those who would walk through this door that, um, that are struggling, that there's no other way, and um, Lord, they've humbled themselves to come and ask for help. And, and God, we want them to know that you love them, that they are not alone, that, uh, that God, you haven't forgotten about them. And so Lord, we just pray that you take this offering that we give to you, and, and Lord, that you would use it to meet every need uh, this month. We believe that you can do that, God, and, and we know that you do it. You do it all the time. And so we thank you for this opportunity to, to give in this way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As you give, uh, there are more opportunities for us to be involved in, in helping other people. There's homeless moms in the city of Chicago, and they desperately need diapers. That's why we're doing a diaper drive. And tomorrow, I'll be able to make our first uh, 
uh, deposit uh, to that ministry and, and take those down. I know that'll be a blessing to many. So if you can bring diapers, that'll be great. But there's a lot of other things that are important that I want you to know about. And a lot of them involve our children and men and women. So I'm going to ask Pastor Fred to come before we go this morning, before we receive the blessing of the Lord, and just share a couple of the things that are happening. Thank you, Pastor Darrell. I apologize. I'm wearing my green suit, and I will burn it later today. So I don't know what I was thinking. But anyway, moving right along. Uh, I just uh, draw your attention to the bulletin. If you could look at, look at that quickly with me. Uh, a lot of amazing things are happening. Uh, Sunday school class is continuing on. If you need more information about that, talk to Chris uh, Allman or Gary Knight. Uh, in particular, this coming Monday, not tomorrow, but a week from Monday, is Valentine's Day. So, uh, gentlemen, uh, you need to take your wife out, do something special for her. If you have small children, uh, we will babysit them for free here at the church uh, from 6.30 to 9. And uh, I emphasize the 9 o'clock, we lock the doors and the children will be placed in the parking lot. So, um, I encourage you to be here on time. All right? Um, not responsible after nine o'clock. Uh, so, uh, but again, take advantage of that. Uh, but you do need to sign up. There's a sign-up sheet in the lobby, and uh, so I need to know ahead of time uh, what kind of weapons and armor and things that I'm going to need for that evening. So, uh, no, I'm kidding. We're going to have a great time. Uh, meal packing for the Philippines will be next Sunday. That's uh, happening. So please uh, put that on your calendar. Uh, Steve Sampson is coming the tw uh, 19th and 20th. Uh, so that'll be a great time. That evening service, there'll be a service Sunday night, and then following the Sunday night service, the kids, uh, the older kids, third grade through fifth grade, are going to be staying, and we're having a lock-in, our winter lock-in for the kids, and that uh, that will run through uh, 9 a.m. the next morning. Again, why I don't why I piled all this into February, I'll never know. But anyway, uh, we're we have a great great time with the kids, and so uh, we encourage you to. Uh, Again, sign up for that as well. There is a sign-up sheet for that also for those kids. So uh, a lot of amazing things are coming and happening, and you don't want to miss out on any of them. The box uh, for uh, ministry opportunities is also still in the lobby. So uh, if you haven't signed up for baptism or membership or ministry involvement, please, uh, please do so today and uh, become part of the greatest church in the world, Christian life. God bless you. Thanks, Pastor Fred. And um, yeah, please take advantage of all those things and do wear your packing clothes next Sunday because we're going to be packing more meals to the, for the Philippines. Since God blessed us, we're going to bless the Philippines uh, with some more food. So come with your packing clothes on. It's going to be a great time. And uh, again, uh, I can't wait for Wednesday night. I'll see you here Wednesday night. Please come make every effort to get here Wednesday night as uh, we activate and get those eight things in our life. Would you stand? For the blessing of the Lord this morning. And as we go, we go with this blessing in His strength, and we are characters in His story for His glory. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you His favor and give you His peace. God, we thank You for that blessing that rests upon Your children. And God, today we don't act entitled. Lord, we just want to love You right back by living for You and serving You this week. God, as we step out these doors, we are your ministers, eager and ready to minister for you because we are not ashamed of the power that has changed our life. God, keep us safe, keep us strong until we can gather together again as the church and worship you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'll see you Wednesday night. If you need special prayer, I'll be down front. Otherwise, fellowship with one another. God bless you. Have a super day.
And Super Bowl day, right? So 